Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, where we talk about coffee and the community that it creates. We chat with people from all walks of life that inspire us to be more passionate, more intentional in our lives, and we give them a stage to tell their story so that we can learn from their experiences and hopefully be able to apply it to our own. In today's episode, we talk motivation, discipline, and faith with United States Marine Master Sergeant Bryce Snyder. Bryce is a father, a husband, a follower of Christ, and a leader of Marines. He shares stories of his mission work with the Dominican Republic, making coffee with explosives on assignment in Iraq, and how he maintains family, faith, and passion as his three pillars for life. Bryce's passions reach far and wide, which is why it's unsurprising that he and Kevin crossed paths. Bryce and Kevin met years ago in a coffee shop local to Saratoga, and their chance meeting led to Bryce baptizing Kevin as a newly reformed Christian not long after. Bryce believes it's about the company you keep and the conversations you have more so than the coffee that you're drinking. By the end of this episode, it felt like I had a new lease on life. Hanging out with both Kevin and Bryce makes you really want to go for a run. (laughs) The two of them are just so inspiring. They get after it. They get up in the morning and they do what they have to do and they do it well. Hey, don't forget, if you're coming back and listening to a lot of our podcast episodes, please consider subscribing and leaving a positive rating that really helps us reach more people. Lastly, if you haven't yet, consider subscribing to our email newsletter. That's a great way to stay in touch with us and learn about our next run of retail coffee. We are working on highlight roast number two as we speak. And I'm really excited to introduce more good coffee to people out there. So upstatecoffeecollective.com, scroll to the bottom. There's going to be a little window where you can throw your email in there and hit us up. We'll see you on there. Until then, please enjoy our conversation with Master Sergeant Bryce Snyder of the United States Marine Corps. And that's how I am too. I'm like, I'm gonna push you and live vicariously through your results. Yeah, that's a good way to be, man. Motivator. All right, Matt. You guys want to kick it off? Yeah, let's kick it off, man. (laughs) All right, this is the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, where we talk to interesting and inspiring people about all things coffee or otherwise. Uh, Our guest today is Bryce Snyder association do you have a business that i should be calling you by or just Let, united states marine corps I, I go by my i have a tag name i guess would be soapbox snyder i'm sure we'll get into the <laughs> soapbox snyder all right yeah man. he's on instagram under that name um i love that if well, i was uh, gonna say one thing about bryce i would just say he's superman um and people who are listening are in for a treat and a ride and they'll they're only gonna find out why i said that by the end of this yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get to meet you and get yeah. to hear stories from you and, uh, you know, really dig into what you're passionate about. Um, yeah. Kevin and I started this podcast early, like late last year, early this year was was when it came to fruition. Yeah. Um, and our goal is to um, talk, talk about coffee again. Yeah, like the simple goal is people. like we like to talk about coffee, but we also like to talk about life. 
Um, we like to keep people inspired and uh, hear about how people from all spectrums in life, how they how coffee affects their life, what mm-hmm. inspires them to do what they do, how they get up in the morning, what their ritual is like. Um, and yeah, so Kevin, do you want to start it off with yeah. an easy? I want to applaud you. That was the best intro you've done so far, buddy. OK, so Bryce, just to break it out, uh, like get into it. Who are you? How are you? What do you do? Those three questions give us like, you know, your elevator answer. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much, guys, for uh, including me in this podcast. I think uh, anytime we can get together, have a good cup of coffee and a good conversation is, uh, you know, the way to go. So doing it in this format is awesome. Uh, be able to go back and, and look on this, you know, uh, years down the road is, is pretty cool. So yeah. uh, it's really tough to summarize me in a couple words. Um, <laughs> if, if it was an elevator version, I'm guess I'm going to need like 21 floors in that building. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to kick it off, man, I guess some of the big things about me, uh, I am a United States Marine. I've been serving proudly in the Marine Corps for 21 years. Uh, that, that in itself is an accomplishment I never thought mm-hmm. possible. Um, wasn't exactly something I, I planned to do, but just uh, fell in love with it. And it's just been something that's been kind of a driving factor in my life uh, for the last you know, 21 years. Uh, outside of that, I think that platform has given me the opportunity to travel the world, meet really, really cool people, and just be passionate about things that most people don't ever get to experience. Uh, so throughout my 21 years, uh, and even before then, I've just been on this roller coaster um, just trying to like learn and be inspired by all different types of things. And I think you'll find like, obviously the, the listeners know Kevin really well and know that Kevin's kind of got like some really unique things that he's into <laughs> trying to pin him down and like categorize him is very difficult. Um, yeah. but when I met Kevin. That was one of the things that really connected me with him is like, wait, you're into this too. You know? And I very <laughs> quickly realized like, it's okay to have like multiple facets. Um, mm-hmm. and there's just certain people out there that are very passionate about everything. And then there's individuals that are passionate maybe about one or two things. Uh, for me, I- I'm still exploring, man. Life's an adventure. Uh, you only get so much time on this earth. And so I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get out there and experience it as much as I can. So uh, yeah. you name it, I've probably tried it. I've probably done it. Um, but, you know, that doesn't make me a master of anything. But I'm always out there looking for that that next fix. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, just trying to have a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely. So- just to break it down, your title, you're Master Gunnery Sergeant, right? Not yet, man. I wish. Uh, I'm on that ride. Uh, so okay. Yeah, I'm a Master Sergeant right now, which is an E8 in the Marine Corps uh, on okay. the enlisted side. Uh, master Gunnery Sergeant would be the next rank for me, and that's kind of the end of the road. Okay. Uh, that's a lifelong achievement uh, for wow. most students, and it's not a guarantee, um, but mm-hmm. obviously it's through competition and hard work and professionalism in the trade that you do. Um, so I'm continuing to uh, just stay motivated and, and hungry and driven to try to achieve that. Yeah. Uh, that that is the end goal, though. So we're looking at that in uh, probably the next couple of years, uh, maybe two years or so. Uh, that could be an option for me. Mm-hmm. You're also like just to like give listeners kind of a quick profile. You're also how I would summarize. You're also a dad uh, <laughs> who does so. yeah. who does missions work. Yeah, and I, I would call you like a spiritual warrior of sorts. Yep. Like that's definitely that's my impression of you. Like you, everything about you just meets kind of the warrior archetype like you wake up and you're motivated and you get to it and i think honestly almost anyone i've ever met who's had a conversation with you has left that conversation going wow i need to go do something right now (laughs) yeah yeah i appreciate Uh, that man i I think i think with me like I, i i can kind of explain that when I was building out my Instagram uh, platform, which was actually a requirement for work. So not something that I would, I used to not be into social media at all. 
had to build this Instagram page, had to learn how to use it. And uh, in doing so, one of the things that I, I kind of tried to figure out was like, if I had a couple things to really describe me, um, how would I capture that on Instagram to build like a, a platform? And so mm -hmm. something that's really, really big to me is balance and having balance in all that you do. So I think, uh, I think for me, like my three, like my triangle would be my balance and my spirituality, uh, my family and my home life. Nice. Um, you know what I mean? And, and trying yeah. to keep those things like equally yoked, it, it's obviously very difficult to do because you're constantly having to almost like rob Peter to pay Paul, invest in this, and then maybe you miss out on something over on this side. Uh, so it's kind of a game, you know, trying to figure that out. And I think just with life experience in general, uh, you, you kind of start to figure that out. But yeah, I'd say, yeah. I'd say definitely my family. I mean, I, I have uh, I have two daughters. Uh, one's 24, which is you can do the math on that. And then I have a 10 year old at home. And then I married into a family that had two boys. So I've been raising two stepsons as my own. Um, they are 23 and 19. So we've been we've been doing this for a really long time. So yeah, yep. daddy, definitely number one. Um, and then spirituality, I, I am a Christian, uh, strong believer in Christianity. And um, that has kind of led me down some some holes in my life or not, I won't say holes, but paths and journeys down my life that's opened up some doors. It's been really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, health and fitness overall, I think is extremely important to be able to continue to drive at this pace uh, and, and find that balance in those things. So yeah. some areas that I kind of try to every day when I wake up, like, all right, what am I doing in this lane? What am I doing in this lane to make a difference? What am I doing here? Uh, let's go. Let's get it. You know? Yeah. So two things for me. Uh, number one, uh, thank you so, so, so much for your service. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. You and and the you know many people like you are the reason for Seriously. the United States. Yep. Um, number two, how did you and Kevin meet? Because you guys have known <laughs> each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've oh, we've yeah. been we've been friends since I I was doing the math on this. I want to say about 2014. Uh, yeah. 14, 15 time frame. Um, I got I got uh, stations uh, in the Marine Corps to um, Albany, New York. And I had mm -hmm. the opportunity to come out there. I was going to be out there for three years. And uh, we were trying to figure out where we were going to live in conjunction with Albany. And had heard about this little place called Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, mm -hmm. Came highly recommended. Uh, the only thing I knew about Saratoga was that somewhere in that area was the Death Wish Coffee uh, company. had kind of like grown <laughs> up there. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool. I can get down with that. And um, I think that's actually how me and Kevin met is we were actually going into uh, a store um, to grab some coffee and kind of bumped into one another, um, yep. started having a conversation. Um, I was attending a church right there in Saratoga at the time and uh, I invited mm -hmm. them to come over. And, yep. uh, so we walked down the sidewalk, had a quick conversation within five minutes of us both chatting as much as we do. I think we figured <laughs> out with both like, you know, calisthenic workouts, kettlebell training. Yeah. Uh, he, he was telling me about Spartan races that he used to do and like doing workouts outdoors and, and going off in the woods and just doing crazy stuff. Uh, we both obviously love coffee and we're drinking quite a lot of it that day. Um, yeah, we were. I think that was it, man. It just, just, you meet certain people and you just know, you know, they, they mm -hmm. give off the vibe. Um, and that, and that launched our friendship right there. And I think, uh, you know, very quickly we were working out together at the gyms. We were hitting like the backyard workouts, uh, yep. drinking, drinking some good coffee together, drinking some good wines, um, talking about music, like one thing led to another and it just kind of escalated from there. Yeah, we we have a lot in common. And I mean, honestly, one thing that I couldn't, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Bryce is actually uh, the the man who baptized me in my adult life. Yeah, that's so, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that was a big there's, deal. There's actually there's a picture of us on like a postcard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that became like an international like internet uh you know cue card I think for the church that we were attending. <laughs> Uh, and we were like, yo, wait, we know those people. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, it was nuts. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really, really cool. cool. It was really oh. cool. Ke- Kevin is a is a wonderfully eclectic human being. Um, <laughs> that's a nice way <laughs> to say that, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, you, you and I have known each other for 15 Over, years, probably. I would say 2000... 2007 was, or nine was when we really met. Okay, so we're looking at more like 11. Was when we yeah. really locked in as like friends, and then 2010 was when we wrote our first song together. You were leaving high school, and we like we yeah, wrote we, that little acoustic ditty. Kevin and I have had a lot of adventures together, but um, yeah, yeah. this Ke- is the best Kevin, one so far. So far, this is the best one. Every best I would one. say every time Kevin has come into my life, uh, we have we've created something like really, really cool that Mm -hmm. I've always been proud of together. Um, Yeah. And this is no exception, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Bryce, just to like, uh, to get people up to speed, I I mean, the one thing about you that I think I, I take away from conversations is you find, you seemingly have, I know that for you, it might not always feel this way, but you seemingly have like a well of motivation that does (laughs) not dry up. Um, can you describe what it took to like get to that point in your life where you have that sensation or like, or describe what that's like for you at least so people can get an idea. Like, cause I know that motivation is hard for a lot of people to find. And it's really cool when you meet someone who can dig deep within themselves and just go. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, it's the weirdest thing, right? Cause I, I think in, in everywhere I go, I think people kind of tend to mention that about me. For me, it seems just very normal. You know what I mean? Like that's just mm-hmm. who I am. Um, but I just, I think what it is, is, you know, I, I guess I'd have to go back to my childhood. Like I, I'm an only child. Uh, I grew up in a Navy family. My father was a pilot uh, in the Navy. And so my, my father, my mother and I literally traveled the world about every three years we would get reassigned to some new duty station that he would basically be a part of. Um, I lived yep. in places like Wales over in the United Kingdom. I lived in Spain. We lived in Denmark for a short period of time. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been in probably 16 or 17 different states. I think between first grade and 12th grade, I probably attended 14 different schools. So we yep. were moving quite a lot. And I think in doing that, uh, you know, I, I very quickly learned how to become social um, because I was constantly having to like restart over and make new friends and like find new places to, to call home and get into new things. And that's kind of how I picked up a lot of the um, passion that I have for different different things. I mean, I've got all these mm-hmm. different things I'm into. Um, and it, I think it's just from moving around so much. But everywhere I went throughout my childhood, I can seemingly recall like individuals that were placed in my life that kind of influenced me and drove me to either a new thing or a new place or a new, you know, passion. And I think it, for me, what it is, is I just love so much how people were willing to invest in me and give me things to help me along my journey, Mm -hmm. um, feel obligated almost to give back to others. And one thing that I find in myself is that I get a lot of joy from giving back to others and seeing them rise. Um, I think in this society as a whole, in the world that we live in, it's very easy to hold people down. It's really easy to pass judgment. It's really easy to cast people out. Um, It's a lot harder to seemingly find someone and build them up uh, and take the time to invest in them. But when you do that, I think there's genuineness 
in that yeah. something that's missing from a lot of people so for me my passion my motivation is to go out there and inspire others and then i get my joy from seeing them like rise mm-hmm. uh if there's some somebody that comes into my path that i can help in any way shape or form like i want to do that so i can see them kind of rise to that that next level and i know mm-hmm. that i seemingly had a part in that and that and that excites me you know what i mean I yeah kind of like oh cool man that's awesome um especially in the in the marine corps as well i mean i started out 21 years ago, 1999, I was a pretty fat kid, um, <laughs> in good shape. Like I'll be honest, but I wasn't really in good shape and the Marine Corps scared me to death. Like it really did, but I knew that it would be the biggest challenge of my life. Um, mm-hmm. getting through that, like recruit training. And then those, those first couple of years in the Marine Corps, it really requires, uh, your peers and your mentors to kind of come alongside you and build you up. That's something mm-hmm. that we do really well. We're a family in that aspect. And being an only child and like not having any siblings, when you join, you know, an organization such as the Marine Corps, you're suddenly surrounded by your brothers and sisters. And uh, it's a family instantly. And those brothers and sisters are there to build you up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it, because we're all very competitive and we're very driven and we compete against one another, but we also don't hold each other down. Um, so if it wasn't for those Marines that were in my uh, units that built me up and raised me up. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am today, you know, yeah. so I feel like personally, it's my responsibility, especially at this level, uh, to do that for the Marines that are placed in my charge. Um, mm-hmm. And that just spills over into every part of my life. So it's because it's what I know every day. That's what I do for work. Uh, that's how yep. I'm created. And so I, I that doesn't leave when you, you know, you, you take off your, your boots, so to speak, and hang up your uniform like that just stays with you and becomes a part of who you are. So it's it's sort of ingrained in you. And then you, you yeah. just roll with it. So, yeah. So you're, you're taking like, you know, what, what you've learned in the Marine Corps and just making it an active ingredient to your day to day. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really a lifestyle, right? It's not a job. It's, it's really a lifestyle and it's a yeah. job that you pick up. And, um, it's important for us as Marines to build up our, our Marines and ensure that it's leadership really is what it is. Uh, you need them to perform at their very best because you never yeah. know what situation you're going to be placed in. And when it matters, uh, your, your guys have got to be on point. So you give them everything. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, you're hoping that they're looking out for your better interest too. And we have this, you know, this saying, like you always look out to the brothers to the left and right of you. And if you're doing that, then you always in theory have two people looking out for you, you know, mm-hmm. and so that, and that, that matters in everything that we do. So I think that's just that's a, cool. an important thing that I, I think is a, a great trait to have. I think yeah. everybody should focus more on positivity and building. Mm-hmm. I know it's much more rewarding. Uh, yep. you know, if, if you're one of those people that just breaks people down and, and cast judgment and is constantly, you know, looking at the negative, like you, you can't really be living your best life. You know, no. it's, you're, you're surrounded in a cloud. Lifestyles like the one that you're describing have become increasingly popularized by people like Jocko Willink. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to the, the reason I pulled out my phone is I was trying to think of the other guy that that other Navy SEAL. David Goggin is it David? Goggin? David Doggins, yeah, 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 Goggins. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I find it it's really it's really amazing to live in the time that we do, where um, uh, members of our military are utilizing social media and the internet to uh, spread their message of discipline and of um, mental health, and I mean just hundreds of of topics that you may hear from other people, but not from people with your perspective, which is a perspective of, uh, that most people don't get to have, whether you, you know, whether you have been abroad, whether you've seen battle, um, 
and the, the ways that you take care of your body and your mind to ensure that you're not only continuing to um, provide for others, but also to provide for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I've just that's just really a, more of a comment than a question. I think it's uh, it's I think I think it's really interesting, and really valuable that we live in a time where that um, is freely available. And it's really yeah. inspiring to a lot of people like me who are, you know, just just civilians um, who may go who may get down on themselves and go, oh, woe is me, you know, uh, 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 you know, insert complaint here. But they don't see the perspective of, you know, how bad things maybe could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that in, insert complaint here. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, Brackets. could be anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah everybody's definition of a bad day is a different thing. Right. And like, yeah. there's, there's been some real bad days out there and then there's like, ah, you know, all right, that bad day isn't really that on the, on the broad spectrum, you know? Yeah. You know what I will say to that though, is I don't remember where I heard this, but I found it really interesting that, um, your, your worst day, the, the worst that you have ever felt in your life is, um, is equivalent to the worst day that anybody's ever had or the worst feeling that everyone's ever had because it's yeah. all about your personal perspective and your your band, right? Yeah, yeah relativity. Emotional exactly. Response, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um all right, cool. Hey, let's switch gears a tiny bit. We'll get back into the discussion. Matt, what's in your mug, buddy? Um, I'm drinking a decaf coffee roasted by crew coffee. Oh, um, the, oh the Swiss yeah. water. The the Timor. Yes, the Timor. Um nice. Right. I bought a I bought a thick ass bag of decaf because I realized I'm at home a lot. I'm drinking a lot of coffee. Um, and then by about 4 p.m., I'm about to skyrocket into orbit. Yeah. Um, so I need to be <laughs> able to consistently drink coffee and enjoy it, but not, you know, end my night with a nice crispy panic attack. So, yeah, you you yeah. want the flavor. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, don't need all your caffeine. Know. When you're up at two in the morning watching like PBS, you know what I mean? And you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Like some random documentary that you've yeah. never seen before. Yep. Yeah. Bryce, what are you drinking, man? What you got? Yeah. So mug? this is actually the, the cup I got in front of me here is filled with uh, the very last um, batch of Dominican coffee that I have. Um, and I'm is sure that the we'll same go- stuff that you gave to me? No. Oh, so okay. the, stuff, the stuff that I gave to you is from Santa Domingo, and that's the okay. capital in Dominican Republic, and it is Dominican coffee, and that's mm-hmm. actually processed down there. Um, where I go to do the missions work in the DR uh, in a small town called San Pedro, um, I got in good with a couple locals down there, and they were actually – I don't – there's no name for this coffee. Like they go out into um, the, the, the farming area there, and they literally pull the coffee beans out of there and bring it back to me. So it's just coming in like plastic bags. What? Uh, yeah, it's like probably as raw as you can get. Um, I, you know, and I think what happens is it ends up making its way to Santa Domingo and then is processed and sold. Uh, but what I'm getting is literally like handfuls of, of just coffee beans that are brought back to me, roasted, and then they're ready to go. Wow. Uh, and so I, I was down there last April, um, about a year ago, and mm-hmm. we get enough coffee to bring back to last us another year before we go back down because i take supplies and stuff down there with me in these giant green military surplus bags you call them sea bags um yeah. and i bring i bring enough of them with the intent of filling those with coffee and bringing that back um, yeah it's amazing that's yeah. like my dream 
right? Yeah, it's just to have a yeah, huge duffel bag full of coffee. Yep. Yeah. Probably, um, probably the best coffee I ever had it, uh, was down there. I was down in the DR a couple years ago. Um, hadn't had any coffee for a couple days. And one of the locals there took me out and he's like, they call it Nescafe. Uh, is just what like the local term for coffee. So they're like, hey, do you want to go get a Nescafe? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love one. And I'm thinking we're going to get some big like 20 ounce, you know, like venti latte or whatever. And we go to this mm-hmm. little dive, like this little place. And mm-hmm. this dude goes around the corner. He's like, give me your pesos. I give him some pesos. He disappears for a minute. He comes back and he's got like literally like an espresso shot size cup of coffee. And I'm like, what nice. is this, man? Like, this isn't going to get me anywhere. Um, and I, I took a sip of it and it was, I mean, it's, they, they add so much of the raw, like cane sugar down there. Cause that's what they, they harvest is that raw. Oh, yep. So they put a lot of cane sugar in the bottom of their <clears> coffee <throat> and it's almost like, like pancake syrup. Uh, it's really <laughs> sweet, but it is so good and it packs a punch and it's just a yeah. really smooth tasting coffee. And that's what they, they drink like one or two of those a day and they're good for the day. That's um, it. So that was it right there. Like after not having some for so long and being in that environment and then finally getting like that little thimble of coffee, I was like, yeah. this is awesome. And uh, so that's become like my primo uh, go-to source for coffee is kind of like the Dominican flavor coffees. And um, yeah. every time I'm down there, man, they don't disappoint. It's good. And uh, that's awesome. Some, some of it is literally just made like out of the back of somebody's house, you know? <laughs> that's so great. We were just talking with um, Oliver Helichick from um, uh, Primo, primo Botanica. Botanica. Yeah, the chocolate company. And uh, he was talking about like their coffee culture in Mexico. And then you're talking about coffee culture in Dominican Republic. And what's so funny is it's like it's not even anything close to what we have up here in the Northeast as far as like culture goes, like our approach to the drink itself. Like up here, it's a luxury drink, but it's also maybe part of your day to day. And like down. But like even like most people will get like a latte or a cappuccino or they'll have like their their preferred like single origin or blend. And like down there, it's like, no, we just literally like make pancake syrup in the bottom of an espresso cup and pour (laughs) coffee over it. And it's so good. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. I think you're right. man. We talked about that a little while ago, but, you know, I think with every cup of coffee, like there should be an experience, right? Yes. It's the company that you keep. It's the coffee you drink and it's the conversation Mm -hmm. that you have. And that's what makes a good cup of coffee. Um, You know, I think uh, we get wrapped around like the flavors and like the origin and where it comes from. But you know, I, I'd rather have like whatever cup of coffee I have, uh, but a good person to share it with and a good conversation to have, I think is going to make it taste that much better. Yeah, know? that's always. Yeah, the there's best. definitely a Venn diagram there, you know, because coffee is a commodity um, to a lot of people, as in I drink coffee for the caffeine for my morning routine so that I could get to work and be, you mm-hmm. know, aware and, and on my a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then coffee can also be a luxury item, but yeah. the problem yeah. that, that I, and it's not so much a problem, but the, the position I see our economy in is that the commodity way of drinking coffee and the luxury way of drinking coffee, neither one of those pay very good homage to how good coffee can be. And that's mm-hmm. because, more likely, more like, more likely than not, you're gonna have a latte or a cappuccino, something where you're adding more flavor to the coffee, and you're not just ingesting the, the cup of coffee. Yeah. It's well, a, that's yeah. a coffee beverage, you know. Yeah. But like even yeah. that, like it's good. It supports the industry. Like it's yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Valid approach. Yeah. I, I would, I would die for a cappuccino right now, man. Yeah. Would you? 
Yeah. Dude, Nick Nick Rovacini. Yeah, he just uh he texted me a picture. He figured out how to boost the pressure on a steam wand at home and I was like, I'm so jealous of you right now. That's like sick. he's he's making cappuccinos at home. I'm like, damn, man. So that's cool. That okay. You said Oh, wait. Oh, I got to tell you guys. Okay, so I have Yurga Chef in my cup. It tastes like blueberries and chocolate. It's nothing yeah. crazy special. I like this conversation more than I like the coffee I'm drinking right now. So <laughs> I'm just going to jump right back into this. Um, <laughs> Bryce, you said a couple days ago when I was talking to you that you had like your most memorable experience of drinking a cup of coffee ever. Yep. And I don't know if I've even heard, I've heard a lot of your stories. I don't know if I've heard that. Yeah, you probably what? heard all my stories, man. But yeah, I don't think you've ever heard that one. I, I mean, no. I shared it. So most memorable cup of coffee, because you got your favorite cup of coffee, like, you know, and then the most memorable one, where were you? What was the situation? What was the environment? Yeah. Okay. So mine for sure, 2003, somewhere end of March, beginning of April, 2003, uh, I was in Iraq uh, in an undisclosed location. I'll leave it with that. Uh, was light armor reconnaissance Marine. So I was working with uh, some special operations guys. And uh, we were, just to give you an idea, for the first 72 days of the invasion in Iraq, uh, I had no access to running water, uh, no electricity. I was basically living out of uh, my vehicle, which is a light armored reconnaissance vehicle. It's a Marine Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough, man. And, uh, we had the supplies that we brought, like, that's what we had. The, we were moving so fast that the mail could not keep up with us. Um, and we were really like a, like what we like to call the tip of the spear. So we were in some like forward areas with not, not on a base or anything like that. Um, had yeah. coffee in a long time. Right. So yeah. somewhere in that time frame, I don't know exactly what day it was, but I do know it was somewhere like end of March, beginning of April. Um, mm. I'm it's like early, early. So this morning. time. Yeah. You're right around. This, this is time. like the anniversary of that. Yeah. This is wow. it. Man. Yeah. A right. long time ago, like an, almost like another world ago, but, uh, yeah. I'm sitting out in the middle of nowhere. I'm on uh, security watch. So I've, I've got this thing called a thermo site. It's a, it's a, a kind of like a heat seek signature site, uh, that's mounted on one of our vehicles. And so we're using that to like do security around the perimeter. It's early mm -hmm. in the morning, like the sun's coming up and out there, like there's really nothing to keep um, like heat or temperature to control mm -hmm. it. So it gets really, really cold in the morning out there. Uh, oh. So it's like, it's like cold enough that like you can see your breath and, you know, the sun's just barely coming up. It's like the lights coming out. I'm mm -hmm. sitting there, like I've been awake for like four hours. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like my whole life is just I'm reminiscing on everything. Uh, I'm trying to focus, obviously, on uh, keeping, you know, my guys safe. And uh, one of my uh, staff sergeants from another vehicle comes over and he's like, hey, check it out, man. Come on down here. I got something you might want. And I'm like, all right, what's up? So I get off of my post, get relieved. Another Marine goes up there. So I'm hanging out with the staff sergeant and like two other Marines. And he pulls out like this little bag of, of coffee beans. And he's like, I had this and I found oh. it the other day. It was in one of my, like in my Alice pack. And I'm like, oh man. And we're standing around and we're looking at it. And we're like, so you got a bag of coffee beans, man. I was like, how are we going to make this into coffee? We have no coffee maker. We have no electricity. We got nothing, you know, like, how are we going to do this? And he's oh. like, we're all putting our heads together trying to figure this thing out. So what we do is he takes the coffee beans. He puts it into this, what we call a woolly peat bag, which is a waterproofing bag. It's kind of made out of like a plastic material. Uh, okay. Like, like a like a neoprene type bag. So he puts that stuff in there, lays it down on an ammo can, and he uses his Kevlar and crushes all the beans. So it's like now we're grinding the beans, right? Uh, <laughs> real, real barbaric. You know what I mean? So he's, yeah. He's crushing this stuff into a pulp. What was he using? It. He had it on his like his bag, but the, was he like hitting it with like a helmet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevlar helmet is a is a it's a Kevlar material helmet. So he's yeah. using the top of the helmet and just like smashing this bag. 
Yeah, like a oh, hammer, man. basically. So he, he crushes all these beans up, and then we get it into uh, a small, like he had like a, a can, like some kind of like a small can device, gets it into that. And now we're like, okay, we got to figure out how to heat up some water. Um, yeah. Well, we had plenty of C4. C4 is a shaping explosive uh, that is electrically charged. So if you put an electrical charge to, like it almost looks like Play-Doh, yeah. uh, it'll explode. But if you light it on fire with like a lighter or a match, it just burns really, really hot. Uh, so he gets a small little cube of the C4, puts it down inside this empty ammo can, lights it this on fire. This is fucking insane. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> we get a uh, we get a canteen cup, we fill it up with water, and now this water is like boiling, like rolling, rolling boil. Uh, and we take that wow. water, we pour it into the can with the ground up coffee beans, and then we're like, all right, how do we filter this? Because that's the last part of it, right? So uh, pulls out a, a dude rag, you know, like just one of those things you'd wear on your head, and yep. uh, we, we sit it over the ammo can, and he pours the water and the coffee bean mixture through the dude rag and it comes out on the other end is coffee and we filtered the coffee. Uh, so there we are, you know, five o'clock in the morning, sun's coming up out in the middle of Iraq. Probably, I don't even know exactly where we were. Uh, and we're sitting there having, you know, the craziest cup of coffee I've ever had. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. That is an amazing story. Dude, yeah, but, oh, <laughs> please, 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 Bryce. If we ever get the chance, like if we have the ingredients for this re recipe around, we need to do this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it just sounds so cool. Yeah. You're like burning C4. <laughs> yeah, I might have some of that laying around. I don't know. I'll see if I can find some. All right. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, Bryce lives in New insane. Hampshire, by the way, so we can do this you stuff. Know, yeah. It's okay someone, up there. Yeah, someone up here's got it. So yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was legit. Though. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can't I can't account for the taste of that coffee. I don't even remember what it tastes like, but it was. That's why I said yeah. everything is attached to that memory, right? Or that yeah. Like, there's nothing cooler than that. It's just the, oh the four of us in that environment. I'm sure. I'm sure in the moment that was the best cup of coffee you had yeah, ever oh, yeah. had. Yeah. For that's real. like a coffee hero story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You guys MacGyvered that. Yeah, yeah. Holy oh, shit, man. dude! That's I thought you so were gonna cool. say. I thought you were gonna say because you had, you had the um your your heat scope. Yeah. Uh, and I thought you were gonna say like you, <laughs> you you picked up the heat signature of somebody's cup of coffee, <laughs> and you were like, we need right. to go to that person. We need that coffee. <laughs> yeah. Bring that Operation, person. Yeah. Operation Morning Joe. Yeah, later yeah. <laughs> uh, over here. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man, dude. Yeah, okay, so cool. how how long were you in Iraq? Uh, my first deployment, I was over there. We got we got to Kuwait in uh, I think it was like January of 2003 is when I actually arrived. Somewhere somewhere between like January February time frame uh, yeah. before the war kicked off, and we lived in like these big tent cities. Uh, so I was with a, what we call an RCT. So I was with an RCT. Uh, regiment, regimental combat team. So that's a, yeah. a collection of Marines and, and different people that are all together in like these big, big, like clusters of tents. And then uh, right around March, I think it was like middle of March, they, they and we started moving up to uh, to the border of Iraq, mm -hmm. and uh, it was go time from there. So I, because of the type of unit I was with, it was very we were mobilized and we were meant for like moving, like not necessarily like staying in place. So I moved all over the place while I was there. Um, I mean, we, we would be in like one village for a day or two and then pick up and drive 18 hours north or, you know, 20 miles west. I think at one point in time, I might have been on the on the border of Saudi Arabia. Boop. Future Matt here. We're going to take a quick 60 second break to talk about today's sponsor. Uh, we were just everywhere, um, but that that deployment lasted until about November of 2003. 
Um, mm-hmm. so when I got to come back, I came back to North Carolina. So oh, that, cool. that was that was the longest push that I had. So from January to November of 2000, pretty much the whole year, I was over there just just doing what Marines do. Yep, that's right cool, on. man. Um, yeah, and so like, so you're a veteran of that war. Yep. Um, and one of the, one of my favorite things that you do, uh, I mean, a lot of people think that veterans are retired but you're not retired. Yep. You're just a veteran of a war. Uh, yep. but one of the coolest things that you do is you work with lift vet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, uh, could you, could you break down kind of like a little bit of like what that is like yeah. your relationship with them and, uh, how that came about? Yeah, absolutely, man. So LiftVet is a, is an online company. Uh, the owner is Dom Franco and mm-hmm. Dom was a soldier in the army, um, around the same time in, in like the 2003, 2004 timeframe. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, he got he got severely injured and uh, was medically separated from the army. And for a, a very long period of time, he kind of went through some significant depression and some of the things associated with you know being injured and medically yeah. separated. And he wanted to go over just like all soldiers, sailors, and Marines do. They all want to go over and get a piece of the action. And you know he watched mm-hmm. go over there without him, and he couldn't be a part of that. So he went into like a, a really bad depression, which is pretty, pretty common. You know, you hear a lot about like PTSD and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of demons that uh, our military service members deal with, um, yeah. some, some combat related and some not. Um, but he, he went down that road. He started going down that really dark road. And I believe what happened is a, a, another one of his fellow soldiers kind of reached out to him a couple years down the road and said, you know, hey, I'm just checking up on you, brother. How you doing? Um, obviously realized that he wasn't in a good place. And he's like, yo, I gotta, I gotta help you out. So we talked earlier about me and like my passion for going and trying to raise people up. Uh, this guy came alongside Dom and basically was like, I'm going to get you in the gym, bro. We're going to start getting you lifting again. Uh, yeah. He got, got him real big into powerlifting, and mm-hmm. Dom just like, like that man, like completely switched his mindset, started yep. lifting, getting focused on fitness and health and well-being, And it just mm-hmm. raised them right out of that dark place. And so from that lift that was born and the, the title lift that is short for lifting veterans. Um, yep. And that's really what it's all about is getting out there and raising up our fellow veterans, whether you served in combat or whether you just served your time in the military and got out. Um, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're in a bad place or you're dealing with any type of depression, suicidal ideations, PTSD, uh, our goal is to kind of go out there and try to you know, get you plugged into a gym, get you in a community where you can start lifting and taking care yep. of yourself maybe improving your mindset overall. And so he started this company online. Uh, they're really big now. When I met him, he had just started. Uh, yeah. And the way, the way I actually met him is he had printed a couple t-shirts and was doing a online giveaway. And one of my friends actually uh, tagged me in the giveaway and I won. Uh, oh, so cool. All of a sudden I'm getting hit up out of nowhere from this dude, Dom. And he's like, hey, brother, you won this shirt. You know, what's your mailing address? And I'm like, what is this? Uh, and that's how I that's how I met him. And uh, I connected with him right away, started kind of looking at his page and seeing what he does, reached out to him. I just I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, spontaneous. So I just yeah. picked up the phone. I was like, I'm calling this dude, man. I want to talk to him. <laughs> uh, so I picked up the phone and talked to him and we had a conversation and just hit it off. And uh, his mindset is very similar to mine. And uh, from there, I was like, how can I get how can I get involved with you? Like, how can I help promote you? How can I get this message out? And uh, what we mm-hmm. started doing was I started hosting workout events. Um, I've done some in Saratoga. I did one with you mm-hmm. Kevin, yeah. a couple years ago. Uh, and we, we open it up to the, anybody, veterans, military supporters, dependents, mm-hmm. like family members of, of military. And, uh, we get out to like a park or somewhere out, out in the public space and we yep. just throw a workout on 
And uh, that workout is just to inspire people to come out and connect. And it's yep. just all for, you know, just motivating and lifting up veterans. You um, just did one earlier this year, right? I did, yeah. Up here in New yeah. Hampshire, uh, at a, at a gym up here called Iron Empire, we did uh, we did a huge one, and it ended up being a powerlifting. Like one side of it was what we call a deadlift party, so it was just mm -hmm. going ham on some on some deadlifts as much as you could do. Yeah. And then the other side of that, we actually did a what I call a hero wad, or like CrossFit would call it a hero wad. Uh, a memorial workout for a fallen uh, veteran, and for me, I, I selected oh, wow. a guy that I lost over in um, in Iraq with me. His name was Lance Corporal Gregory McDonald. Uh, I've done a couple workouts for him in his name now, and uh, I actually created a workout specifically for him, and we call it the Mac. And uh, it's it's tough, man. It's a tough workout, but we get out there, we do the workout, and all that pain yeah. and that sweat and that hardship that you go through when you're going through that workout is all in honor of that that person, you know. All right, let's say a crazy person is listening to this podcast right now, like someone who want, likes doing this stuff, like you and I do. What is the Mac? What 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 makes up the Mac? Okay, that workout. So, yep. So I, I, I it's all calculated. It was three rounds. Okay. Of eleven repetitions of uh, your body. So you get on a scale and you weigh yourself, and mm -hmm. whatever you weigh, that's your weight that you're using on your bar. So I'm, I'm about 189 right now, uh, 189 mm -hmm. quarantine weight, we'll call it. Uh, <laughs> so I would, I would round up to like 190 and that's what I would load on my bar. So I would okay. do three, three rounds of uh, 190 pound deadlift or 11 repetitions, uh, 190 pound, 11 repetitions of back squat, 11 mm -hmm. repetitions of toes, to the bar, which is where you jump up on, you know, like a yep. pull up bar and you raise your toes up and the toes touch the bar. And then mm -hmm. 11 repetitions of what I what I call Marine Corps push-ups, which is actually a it's a four count exercise that comes out to two push-ups. The equivalent of two push-ups equals one push-up. Oh wow! Uh, so essentially, you're doing 22 push-ups, and that's a, that's a Marine Corps push-up. You do three rounds of that for time. And the reason I did that is because it's the three, uh, the zero three represents the infantry MOS indicator for us. And okay. the 11 repetitions also goes into that because an 0311 in the Marine Corps is a rifleman. And that's what Lance Corporal, Lance Corporal McDonald was. Oh, uh, cool. 0311. So three rounds, 11 repetitions, boom, for time. That's awesome. Yeah. Matt, do you want to do that? I can't do that weight, but... Uh... I'm down to work out. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We're going to, Bryce, we're going to come out to you and get Matt to do the Mac. And yeah, we're going to have fun with yeah. it. Yeah, First, it. Kevin, I've been thinking about this, like uh, this whole podcast <laughs> I've been thinking about. Kevin's been trying to get me to work out with him for a long time. And yeah. I've, I've been working off or working off. I've been working out on and off for um, most of my life, but this has been the longest drought of working out that I've been in. It's, you know, maybe a year and a half or so. Yeah. And Kevin has many times offered to work out with me and I'm always like, fuck you, Kevin. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to do your workouts. I can't, I can, all, I, I can barely run a mile. He's running, you know, he's running. 10 Nick miles. and I just got done running six. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I was I was all excited to work out with Kevin until he takes his shirt off, which is pretty much every day. <laughs> so, and then and then instantly you feel bad about yourself. And oh like, stop. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> like, fucking put your shirt back on, Kevin. I we're don't... in <laughs> Kevin, this okay. is a target. We're in real target right now. Real talk. I yeah. don't like clothes. Yeah, I know. You know this. Like yeah. If Summer's you look like a normal human being, you would like clothes. I want to find a pool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You're, okay. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, so I, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. Kev like instantly was like, dude, it's like, did we become, did we just become best friends? You want to yeah. go to the garage and do karate? You know, it's like, he's like, we did go to the aesthetic park and do, and do muscle ups. And I'm like, we, yeah. We you know, did. We did. Oh, yeah. I, I taught you how to do a muscle up. Yes. 
my first muscle up. I was trying forever to get yeah. those muscles. I can do pull-ups all day long, but I could not get the muscle up down. And I think it was five minutes Kev had me doing muscle ups. I was amped so, on that. Yeah. I yeah. I had just learned how to do them. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. are hard. Yeah. That was I don't you need that momentum to get over the bar. Well, okay. Not only that, here's the big thing. People only focus on the momentum, but you actually need to get your hips to up the to the bar. That's the and thing. a lot of people oh, focus yeah. on the momentum, but they'll, yep. they'll do the pull-up and bring the bar to like their sternum, like the bottom of their sternum. But what right. you really need to do is get that momentum to get the bar to your hips yeah. and then push – and then it's just like it's just like a, a the uh, finishing press of a dip almost yeah. at that point. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, like as soon as it clicks in your head and you're not point. afraid of it, yeah, you're yeah. like, it's it's one of those things. that's like Matt, like the first time that you ever did a kickflip, like yeah. it's like like you're afraid of it until all of a sudden like the board has flipped and both of your feet have landed on it. Even if it shot out from under you, your brain goes, "Wait, I can do this." Oh you shit, know? that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't you teach know your it brain. Is. Until the physics you of do it first. It. Yeah. yeah. I think that's probably the biggest reason I wanted to get Bryce on the podcast is he's one of those people who like, even if like he, uh, Bryce pushes beyond that point where his brain is like, I can't do this. Bryce is like, no, it's definitely possible and we'll push for it. And that's yeah. always something I've admired about him. Yeah. 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 Until I'm not bringing it possible. Right. So that's, that's kind of, Oh the thing. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's cool, man. Do you have any other cool coffee stories? I feel like you do. Man, I mean, yeah, you, you let me know. Like, Hit me. Hit us, man. I love these. I, I hope Matt's, Matt, do you dig the coffee stories? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I think I dig the more coffee, coffee stories. I feel like Bryce probably has cool, like, as cool, if not cooler coffee stories than even some of the people who work in our industry. Do you want to first, Just, um, do you want to uh, take a uh, what's your jam break? Oh yeah, let's do that. And then we'll we'll jump into another coffee story. Yeah, I'm down with that. So we yeah, always, man. Bryce, we always ask every every guest uh, what they're listening to right now, whether it's you know music or podcasts. We, we say, what's your yep. jam? Yeah. What do you yep. got? So I listen to. All right, I got a, a wide array of musical background um, likes and favorites. Yep. So it's again, it's another one of those things like. I don't, I'm not just isolated to one type of music. Again, music like coffee is, it's an exper experience, you know, and it yep. depends on the environment you're in. Um, little fun fact about me, um, from like 1997 to about 2002, I was really, really big into uh, the underground like electronic scene, uh, which is nothing nice. like it is now. And uh, I was so, so inspired by like the DJs that were out there that I ended up going out and purchasing like a set of uh, Technique MK1200 turntables, which were at the time like the pinnacle uh, turntables to use and yeah. started started spinning and I actually ended up becoming a DJ for a while uh, as like a side hustle and I was spinning in Washington DC and the surrounding area Baltimore Maryland and uh, got really 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 big into like European progressive trance um, mm -hmm. so I still I'm still like there's days when I, that just is like a part of my uh, that, that probably is what makes me tick and uh, so yeah. right now what I'm crushing on is uh, there's an artist called Lane 8 he is a DJ and a producer. I want to say he's from Seattle or somewhere over on the West Coast, uh, American DJ. Uh, but he is plugged in with a group of individuals that are under the label Ajuna Beats or Ajuna Deep Collection. Uh, okay. So if you've ever heard of like Above and Beyond, uh, they're, they're like a huge oh, I love them. powerhouse. 
So lane eight is, is, is like in their category and it's uh, lane is L A N E. And then the number eight, if you guys okay. want to know, uh, oh, he definitely. releases, he releases a whole bunch of continuous mixes all yeah. the time and you can pull them off of pretty much any platform like SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, so mm -hmm. three days ago, he actually just dropped a continuous mixtape on, I got it off of YouTube. I think it's on SoundCloud too. Uh, mm -hmm. but why I love him so much is because he writes and produces some of his own tracks, but then he also features other tracks from other artists in there. And he oh, blends cool. it all into like, sometimes like a two, three hour set. That's um, awesome. It's trancey, but it's also what I consider like adult trance is what I call it. It's a little more laid back. <laughs> Not quite like the crazy glow sticks and <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's like, like middle aged trance, yeah, the, the kind of trance you can enjoy in your office with a yeah. glass of I don't know, a good cup of coffee, yeah, it's great. yeah, it's like with it some makes LSD, awesome, yeah, it makes awesome background music, it's really good for like running, it's really good for driving. Oh, that's yeah, cool, totally. so yeah, so his, his newest mix that just dropped is called Groundhog Day. And uh, that's what I'm Love listening it. to right now. It's about a, about a two and a half hour set, uh, but man, it's awesome. It's deep, and uh, that's cool. Just been unpacking that. So, Matt, what's your jam? Um, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna use this opportunity. So, uh, I have a friend named Michael J. Morgan. Um, we we had kind of a happenstance meeting, kind of the way that that you guys met, where we oh, just cool. we met each other. I was working, <laughs> I was working at a tea shop at the time, uh, mm -hmm. late, late teens. And this guy comes in. Oh no, I must've been early twenties cause it was post-college. Saratoga this guy, tea and honey. Saratoga tea and honey. Shout out. The, yeah, these nice. guys, uh, this guy and his girlfriend mm -hmm. walk into the shop and they start to just talk to me about tea and stuff. And yeah. we really hit it off. This kid is an acoustic, um, indie folk musician and cool. he put out a, an EP, uh, a couple of years ago called birds. Um, and I've been jamming that he's really great. He that's lives dope. in the city and he travels all the time. Very interesting character. Oh, that's awesome. It's like, oh. does he travel like for music? Like he like goes and plays shows all no, over the I place? Think he, no, he's just a, he just loves to travel. So he's got friends in all kinds of interesting places and he just, you're, he travels. Yeah. You're painting a very Bob Dylan esque character here. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Sounds cool. He would be uh, he would be flattered to be compared to Bob Dylan. Oh, so, would he? Oh, I think good. so. I hope he hears it. <laughs> I hope he does too. Uh, I'm gonna say my jam just because I was just laying out in the sun, social distancing on the grass, <laughs> and uh, I was listening to Anderson Pac, and yeah. he's yeah, yeah, dude. For the past oh. two years, he's been the most played artist on my Spotify. Like every year, most played song is by Lido. Most played artist is Anderson Pac. That's how it's been. I'm pretty sure it'll be that way again this year. I was just laying out listening to Ventura. That album's so good. Absolutely love it. Especially that uh, Come Home, that first track with Andre 3000. It's just like, yeah. uh, every every time it hits, like with the little drum roll and like the harmony in the background, I'm just I immediately put in a state of relaxation. I'm like instantly way more chill. Yeah. Honestly, during the five minutes that we talked about music, somehow Kevin and I both forgot that Bryce had already mentioned that he was a DJ, so don't be confused by the fact that he and I are both very surprised by this fact, even though we already covered it. Okay. So, no, hold on. Bryce, so you, okay. <laughs> when were you a DJ? And where were you? You were, a DJ? You, you were DJing in D.C., weren't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. And so what I, years was this? Oh man, yeah, it was. Is this post Iraq? No, no, it was actually leading up to that. So um, I grew up in Maryland. Well, I uh, I grew up all over, um, but I, yeah. went to high, I went to high school in Southern Maryland. That's where my father finally retired from the military. Uh, oh wow. They still live down there. So just south of Washington D.C. And, uh, you know, in high school, that was like the thing to do was to skip school and go up to D.C. and just, you know, run rampant up there. I was big into skating and all that stuff. So we'd go go up there just like, you know, just uh, just explore Washington, D.C. and everything Washington, D.C. And uh, I had a couple friends of mine that had older brothers that were in college at uh, the University of Maryland in College Park. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, man, I must have been like a sophomore in high school and my buddies would be like, yo, we're going up to party with my older brother in college park. You know, at like 15, you're definitely going to a college party if you can get in. Yeah. Um, so we would go up to these parties in, uh, in, in the city and it was like these DJs and like, this was when techno was really underground. Like you never heard it on the radio, nothing. And yeah, uh, yeah. I remember like being in these kids, like house parties and just standing in a kitchen with like a kid spinning on turntables they had like on saw horses and you know like, <laughs> real, like just just chop shop style top style stuff and i would just sit there and completely zone out on them like scratching records and blending and mixing that's it was awesome. another thing that i was like this is so cool and yeah. it, the possibilities are endless like you grab a couple cool records and you can blend those things together and make your own sounds and make your own songs out of it so that yeah. like really really like just inspired me um, I was working at Wendy's of all places, um, at, at this time in my life. And I literally was like trying to pick up every shift I could just to make more money to be able to buy some turntables of my own. So I think it was like a whole summer I saved up, tried to do everything I could to grab these turntables. And I finally did. And, um, I found this shop up in Georgetown, uh, Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it was called Yoshitoshi Records. It was a record shop up there. Yoshi Toshi um, I, yeah, used to go up there all the time and you bring your own headphones to the record shop and you go in there and they have turntables set up in the record shop and you could go through the records, pick them out and then literally throw them on the turntables in there and listen to them before you buy them. Uh, and that's that's how you were getting your music for for this style and like this scene. And uh, so yeah. I go up there on the weekends and just like take everything I could take, all the money I could I could collect and buy as many records as I could. And mm-hmm. I would just come back and spin at my house, like in my in my little like I had a little basement set up. And mm-hmm. uh, I got pretty, you know, I got pretty decent. Like at least I thought I did. I thought I got pretty good. And a couple of my friends were like, you know, starting to ask me to come out and play at their parties and um, ended up getting into a, a club in, in D.C. called The Warehouse. And they were doing like these after hours parties. So uh-huh. this, was, this was after like the big party shut down at like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. It's like an after hours club where everybody would go and like that would just get popping at like 3 a.m. And Whoa. yeah, I got I got an opportunity through just like meeting people to, to get in there and like spin some sets. And that's yeah. what we're doing. And uh, yeah, I was I was kicking that for a while. That was like my weekend gigs uh, outside of the Marines, obviously. That's and cool. it was cool. Cause I was making mixtapes and like bringing them to the unit and passing them out to my Marine buddies and like, yo, you got to take this out and like pass them around. And, uh, you know, it's cool being in like an environment where your brothers and sisters, so to speak, are like there to help promote you and support you. Uh, so that's that was cool. Of, yeah. That's one of the things we would do. That's and, awesome, man. Yeah. Super fun, man. Like it's just an artistic outlet, you know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. I remember my, my dad showed up one time with like a crate of his old records and he had everything from like, you know, Duran Duran to Pesh Mode to like <laughs> the Beatles, you know, the Beatles and like the Beach Boys. And That's I, would, awesome. I would take that stuff and just try to layer it with like, you know, just a minimal like beats behind it and kind of change the songs and 
it was for cool. me it was really like something that clicked you know what i mean and that's awesome I, you could just fish out on that stuff forever so it seems it dude it seems to me like the the one thing that kind of rings true uh, wait, oh, hold on. Matt had his mic up. Hold on. I'm going to let Matt. No, no, no. You're good. Okay. It seems to me like the one thing that really um, rings through each of your stories is that, like, you seem to find a wave and ride it. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. But like, sometimes you got to, I noticed sometimes you have to, you got to chase that wave too, and you're not afraid to chase it. Like, yeah. even something as simple as, you were were working at Wendy's, probably making five dollars an hour or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like fifteen, I think, was the yeah. <laughs> and you you had your eyes set on a turntable, and you just I mean, like like I don't even <laughs> think I had the the personal like self discipline to save up my money for you know I don't know whatever a video game when I was a kid. You know, I I just yeah I I worked to i don't know uh, to spend money on bullshit what um, age did you start working matt i worked uh, i started working at 15 okay um the basic i it's actually really interesting because like i have a pretty decent work ethic but i wouldn't say it's anything you know uh mind-blowing you know i wouldn't say it's anything um extreme but when yeah. i was a kid i was so excited to be able to work that like the minute that I could get my you 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 know how you could get your working papers yeah. when you're like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, yeah that's like I a couldn't blue card. Wait, yeah, yeah, I couldn't wait to get that. And my first job was like an under the table gig. Um, I'll Even never forget this. Even though you had working papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this this was pre working papers actually. Yeah. Oh, so I was okay. probably I was probably fourteen. Oh, we wow. uh, I got a dumb. I got a dumb job uh, handing out flyers for a new business in Saratoga Springs. Um, by the track and the the owner would sit in his car and watch me like harass people trying to walk into the track like handing out flyers and they would yell at me because I wasn't being aggressive enough oh I'm like these God. people don't want these flyers and he's like you got to get in their faces you got to stop them I'm like yeah. you're, you're paying me five dollars an hour under the table for this fuck you <laughs> I quit I quit on the first day <laughs> oh did you what was, I, job, what was I getting at? And then quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, and then I worked at a restaurant. But the, yeah, the the point is, um, I worked to to spend money on bullshit and girlfriends. Yeah. I started dating girls way too young and just always spending money on them. You were their um, sugar daddy. Were you, I, <laughs> you little, yeah, right. Little like fifteen year old sugar daddy for these hey, girls. Hey mom, <laughs> can I get twenty bucks to uh, take my girlfriend <laughs> to the movies? To Pope's, to Pope's Pizza. Pope's Pizza. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, I, I, yeah. Anyways, in summary, I, so, <laughs> I appreciate your work ethic. It, yeah, it definitely seriously. is showing even now. Do you think, too. yeah. And did the, do you think that that's developed through the experiences or do you think that you like had a little bit of that to, uh, to go and you've kind of honed that over the years? Like, yeah, I think, I think part of that is probably just growing up in a military family and like my mm -hmm. dad, you know what I mean? Being a captain in the Navy, like that's pretty high up there. I mean, he, we, we had, it was very structured. Like my, my upbringing was very structured. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he taught me a lot of really good, um, just values early on. Like, you know, we were pretty well off and I was an only child in most cases. In most cases, only children tend to be like the stereotype is that they're they're pretty spoiled rotten, right? And yeah. I think to an extent to an extent, I think my parents like did a good job of like really taking care of me and like, 
you know, giving me the things that I needed. But at yeah. the same time, my dad was always right there. Like, you got to work for the things you really want. Um, and I think I saw that in him too, cause he was a hard worker too. I mean, he's my mentor in life. I look up to him, you know, I mean, you've met him, Kevin, I'm yep. uh, awesome dude, just as chatty, yeah, is. I'm like super cool guy. Uh, but he's a hard worker, always has been. And I've always respected that. So I think, I think a part of it just came from that. Um, and then I would say like transitioning into the Marine Corps, obviously, like you don't just earn that title. It's not just given, it's not just given to you. Like you got to earn that sucker. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. th that, that's like, once you go down that road and you push yourself through what you think is impossible and all of a sudden, like in your mind, you realize that you have way more potential than what you thought you did. Um, yeah. it becomes almost like, it's almost like, like some people are driven by challenge, you know, mm -hmm. so if there's a challenge out there, like as opposed to being afraid of that challenge and fearful of failure, I'm more about let's go friggin' try to get over it because I know on the other side of that challenge, it's going to take me to a higher uh, level of confidence than I had before. And then I'm just going to keep soaring from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you almost become like addicted to the challenge, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got That's two a good questions. Way to look at that. I got two questions, Bryce. Um, number one, I, I think it's, I found it's, 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 Sorry. I found it's interesting um, that you joined the Marines and your dad was in the Navy. Yeah. Um, how what was that like? And also, was your dad uh, surface or sub? So my, my dad was a pilot. He flew P3s and oh. actually was a, a submarine hunter uh, in the in the late 80s. So like that's during, badass. During, yeah, that's he was up here and like on the coast in Maine, uh, spent some time over in like Sicily uh, Siganella, some of those areas. And they were actually out there hunting, uh, Russian submarines off the co on, you know, on the Atlantic ocean. Um, Hell and yeah. so yeah, so that's what he did. He went to the Naval Academy. He was a, a football player at the Naval Academy. Um, really big deal there. So that's kind of what he did. And yes, most people typically would want to follow in their father's footsteps and want to go down that same road. And I, I see that often. The, what happened with us is my grandfather was a Marine in in Korea, like he fought in the Korean War. Mm. And my father's brother was a reconnaissance Marine in Vietnam, like during the Vietnam era. So I, I, it's kind of a running joke in our family. But every time we would get together with the family, the uncle and my grandfather always like, hey, you know, you're going Marine, right? You know, and they would, <laughs> like, they would prod me. And, and you uh, did. Yeah, I did. I did. There was just something about it. Like I've always respected what my dad did, but the other side of it was my dad was a pilot and I had no interest in flying planes at all. Um, I was, a, and I told him that I sat him down one time because he asked when I started looking at the Marine Corps and he's like, why Marines? Like, are you sure that's what you want to do? And I told him, I said, look, I, you know, I respect the fact that you're a pilot and I know you want me to follow in your footsteps, but my way of thinking, like my logical way of thinking was that if something happens in the air as a pilot, there's really not much you can do. Like your level of control at that point is really limited. Whereas on the ground, if something goes wrong, I still feel like you have choices at that point. Like, right. In some cases, right. Like I feel more like I have more control over my circumstances on the ground. Like I can run left or I can run right or I can shift or I, you know, whereas in the air, I just felt completely, you know, useless. Uh, totally. So, so for me, that was kind of the, the signifying point. Uh, as well as the fact that, you know, the Marines, like, especially in the, in the late, you know, nineties, there wasn't much going on, but the Marine Corps always had that like badass appeal. Like they were just the, the tough guys, you know, mm -hmm. totally. Absolutely. For me, that was like, that was also the hardest thing for me to achieve. Um, because that was the thing, right. I wasn't in shape. I wasn't the athlete in high school. I was, you know, not what you would think of typical Marine material. 
And for me, that was the, that was the challenge. Like if I can do that and earn that title, I can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand that. Yeah. That's, um, that's really cool. <laughs> Kevin, what did you, um, you, you, what do you, uh, what else do you want to ask Bryce here? Um, honestly, man, I think we've had like a, a really good chat so far. I think the, the one thing that we could t- touch on a little bit, um, because you have experience in the culture down there, I think it'd be really cool if you could shed some light on what you know of the Dominican Republic right now, Yeah, because absolutely. we talk about yeah. different areas in the coffee production belt all the time. Like when, when we have our meetups, we're always, we're, we're putting a spotlight on different areas. And, you know, there's a culture amongst roasters and coffee shops right now to highlight the farms that these places come from. And like, uh, but there's, there's not so much a a talk of the day-to-day living conditions of a lot of those rural areas in the coffee belt. So yeah. What's that like down there? Yeah. So uh, my wife and I do uh, missions work in the Dominican Republic. We've been going down there for about the last five years now. Uh, Mm -hmm. We specifically work in an area called San Pedro, which is uh, kind of a it's on the southern side of the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Republic is an island. Uh, On the right side of that island is the country of the Dominican Republic. And then on the left side of that is Haiti. Uh, and there's a lot of history between those two countries. And, um, you know, you'd have to really like dive into that on another podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, like there's some, a lot of tension down there between the Haitians and the Dominicans. Um, my wife really? and I, we just through chance were invited to go down and, and participate in some missions work down there in San Pedro. Um, yeah. And we go, what it is, is basically there is a large population of Haitian refugees uh, that have come to that area of the Dominican Republic. And because of the, the tension between those two countries, it's very difficult for the Haitian refugees that are there to do things like get a job or get an education or really do anything to kind of like get themselves out of the poverty that they're in. Um, so they almost yeah. get kind of stuck down there in this environment. And there's just not, I mean, basic resources. We're talking basic things that we take for granted every single day. They struggle to get, I mean, there's like the question as to whether they're going to get food that day. Are they going to get water that day? If somebody gets hurt or injured, are they going to get any type of treatment for that? Which in most cases they don't. Um, and so we go down and basically provide, uh, we've done a lot of different things. We've done some building projects down there. Uh, we're working currently right now on building a hospital down there that's going to be open for all uh, because the healthcare mm-hmm. system down there is nothing like we have here in the U.S. Um, and it's very difficult to get healthcare there. So we're looking at wow. up a basically like a local hospital that will cater to anybody. Like you can just come in and get treated. Um, and obviously that's through a lot of volunteers and a lot of future work and things that we have in store. Um, mm-hmm. But the cool part about our work down there is we get to go out into the environment and we leave the cities and we actually go out into like the villas. Um, and in that particular uh, area of the Dominican Republic, the big trade is the sugarcane farming. And mm-hmm. uh, so there are these big sugarcane plantations down there. And basically the one thing that Haitian refugees are allowed to do is they can bring their families into what they call a bate. And that's the nickname that they give for like the farm. Mm-hmm. They can live in this community down there on the farm and the and the husbands or the fathers or the males and the families, they go out and they cut sugarcane by hand, literally with machetes. Uh, oh, damn. And, and the families live in these little villas. And uh, it is when I say poverty, like it's probably the the hardest thing I've seen in all of the places I've been in the world, just because it's it's just bad. It's hard to describe. It's really more emotional. 
Um, wow. We go down there, we provide food, we provide resources, we provide medicine, healthcare. We just go down there and literally fellowship with the people down there and mm-hmm. just try to bring whatever we can to the table. So we're pretty, pretty open-minded when we go down and kind of like look for opportunities. And I've had some, some really neat things happen while I'm down there. Um, mm-hmm. but that's, that's kind of the goal and what we do down there. And we will continue to do that work. Uh, we lead now fast forward five years, we actually lead teams down there. So instead of my wife and I just going down as missionaries, we actually lead teams of people down last year. We took 10, uh, this year we're slated to take, um, another 10 with us in April. Obviously mm-hmm. it's not happening given the current no. circumstances. However, that we're going to still continue to go. It's just postponed right now. That's um, cool. Well, so you're just looking for thing. like the date that you're going to go. Yeah, yeah, we're oh, just cool. waiting for, right now the borders are yeah. shut down, okay. so we couldn't even go if we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, we are remaining in contact with the with the people and the families and the community down there that we serve, so we do get to mm-hmm. talk, and they're doing good. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, they have a lot bigger things to worry about than some of the, you know, like the COVID-19 thing that we have here currently. Uh, it's still a concern there, but they have other things that are much crazier than that, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, for them, it's just another day, you know, like, yep, <laughs> good. Um, I was going to say, though, leading into the like the coffee industry down there, because mm-hmm. I get the opportunity to go out into those bates, um, man, like it's that country, the, f- the food in general, the resources they have, the vegetation, like the foods, the plants, the mm-hmm. everything that they grow down there is just incredible. And uh, yeah, there's some coffee down there and there's some areas down there that grow coffee that is like off the beaten path. And uh, yeah. I know some people have gone down and tapped into that and you can get some really cool um, cups of coffee down there or you can get some, you know, some different coffee products. Um, yeah. But I'm sure that's an untapped resource for somebody to get down there and actually like go big scale with that. Because Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to invest capital, right? You have yeah. to invest into that area to, like to create the infrastructure so that coffee can be like properly processed milled and then uh and then exported and i i think that's definitely lacking in that area yeah well i I would almost feel wrong like going down there and do like doing that without contributing to the community like bryce's you know yeah i mean mean, that's the the thing though is if you went down and started a a project down there you're essentially bringing jobs to the environment right because now you're now you're opening up an opportunity for people to work uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, it, like depending on the size of your operation, but you literally would be bringing a, a new resource and new opportunities and new jobs to that area. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. anybody, That's... any entrepreneurs listening? Yeah. DR. Yeah. I'll get take you down, down there. I'll get you set up. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, please do. Yeah. We, uh, we, and by we, I mean, um, my wife and I, we got married in June of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were going to go to the Dominican Republic for our honeymoon. You know, yeah. one of the, just one of those, um, one of those resorts on the water, yeah, probably uh, away from yep. what's that? Probably Punta Cana area. Punta Cana. Yeah. 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 Um, and then that was right around the time that, um, the, you know, the news was really focused in on people were, were getting killed yeah. in that area. Um, which I th- I would imagine, I mean, the news is always inflammatory and it's, yeah. it, they're just selling you, uh, hype and fear and, and, yeah, sure. um, whatever will get them ad revenue. So I would imagine that stuff like that happens probably, you know, consistently though, not often. 
Right. Would you di- agree or disagree with yeah, that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, any, anywhere you go, obviously, it's, you're in, a, in any country that you go into outside of the U.S. operates under a different system, you know what I mean? And so right. there's always a level of danger anywhere you go uh, if mm. you're an outsider. And that's just because there's a general lack of, you know, of like knowledge for the culture, um, you know, learning what the, what the customs and courtesies of that country are. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, because you're in a, some places are a little bit more uh, poverty than ours, uh, if you go down there and stick out like a sore thumb and give somebody the opportunity to, uh, you know, take advantage of you, that's obviously always a, a risk that you take. Um, so I think yeah. just going down there and being mindful, obviously doing your research of where you're going, mm-hmm. um, you know, and looking into the, the, the area there, you know, I, I've been to Punta Cana several times before we stayed at a couple of the resorts there, never had a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I probably just have a general sense of security and awareness for things that's probably ingrained in me through the Marine Corps. Sure. Uh, so, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's always something that I'm paying attention to and focusing on, which is why I feel comfortable going down there. Um, but, you know, the resorts are, I'm going to say, relatively safe for the most part. I mean, that's their mm-hmm. number one source of income in the, in the country, really, is the tourist yeah uh, trade and everywhere i've gone down there like they they love americans like i mean they know that you're coming down there to you know basically bring some money into their economy and that that's going to help somebody out uh that's true so, yeah i would i would be too concerned about it just do your research as to where you're going to go and you know make sure be smart going. yeah if you're staying at the resorts though i mean you're it's like you got like the resorts in the dominican republic and then you have the actual dominican republic you know and the totally resorts, like you don't ever have to leave the resort. Everything is included and everything's right there for you. And I mean, it's a paradise. It really is like you can do yeah. whatever you want. You have a good time down there. You'll be really safe. It's I think it's those individuals that kind of walk off the beaten path and maybe, you know, don't have the awareness that they should are, you know, the ones that are putting themselves potentially in, you know, the rest. Yeah. Takers. Yeah. And I mean, the story, the, the story that got everybody scared for probably no reason was that one woman at one of the resort locations went downstairs in the middle of the night to go to the, I don't know, the, the vending machine and somebody who was dressed up as, uh, an employee of the hotel grabbed her and took her to, you know, into some closet and, you know, beat her to death or something yeah. or, um, and again, that is terrible and yeah. should be taken into account, but that I would imagine that does not reflect the the sure. normal standard operation of yeah. oh, of yeah. any resort, right? Yeah. Or or yeah, I mean that, those kind of stories. Like if you think about it, like the, if you took the title of the location out of that, that could read Chicago, Baltimore, totally. Or, yeah. You know Albany. You know, and, and not, yep. not not like you know stereotype anybody, but yeah, those those types of things happen all over the world, man. Uh, I, I think it just sure. caught, caught the media and kind of, you know, the media is always looking for something. So, yeah. Yeah. So you would recommend going, man. but maybe go yeah. with the missions group and know yeah. some people the first yeah. time you go. <laughs> and and help some people yeah. while you're yeah, there. Yeah, and help come, some people. Come down with us, man. We'll, we'll take care of you. So Actually, we should, Matt. We should go. Yeah, down I would love to go. And like Absolutely. do some mission work and go check out coffee. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. yeah we I'm definitely down for that. Yeah. I guess like to, to finish it off, like if there was... There was like one piece of advice, something that you've learned in your life that you you would like to impart upon other people that maybe for anyone listening right now who if one thing that you would want them to take away from our discussion today, like what would you say? So, yeah, um, I think. I think for me, like the, you know, a lot goes back to the mindset, like how do you, how do you stay so motivated? You know, mm-hmm. I think for me, 
one of the things that I've realized over time is like you, everything is, is based on choices, right? We all have choices to make and, mm-hmm. and you, always, you always have a choice to make. And every single decision or every single choice that you make, if you think about it before you make it, it's either going to hurt you or help you in some mm-hmm. way, shape or form, right? And a lot of people, especially a lot of individuals that feel like they're down and out or what can I do to make a difference or <clears throat> I'm a nobody, you know, you can literally make a decision or make a choice to do something that is going to help you uh, mm-hmm. or hurt you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's that one small decision that you make today that ultimately can spiral you down that new lane or that new road that you want to go down. Mm. You have to make that choice. You have yeah. to make a choice. You know what I mean? Like you can't just sit back and wait for something to happen. Like you have to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think like a lot of people that are just kind of especially in this period of time, like there's a lot of hopelessness and a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, this world's too big and I can't make a difference. Every Mm -hmm. single decision starts with one person making that decision. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, if you find yourself in a, in a, in a, in a rut or you're in this period of time in your life where you're like, you know, what can I do? Well, you can do something, figure out what that something is and do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, And that's it, man. That, that, that will start you down the new road, you know, even if it's a baby step, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Shit, man. Well, yeah, that that was beautiful. Uh, but I still think the title of this podcast is going to be "Making Coffee with C4" because that's going to get <laughs> listeners. I'm writing it down. I'm it down. Um, oh, God. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we got to get Nikki on here sometime. Yeah. And dude. and yeah. really delve into the missions work because I know. Yeah. From talking to her that she actually not only does is, is she a purpose driven person but like she a lot of that has brought her into that missions work and she's she's very much uh i mean she's an expert on it yeah really. she's a, yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's yeah she is absolutely incredible just all around as yeah. a human being which is obviously why i married her um but she you know she keeps me on my toes every single day she supports everything i do and i mean yep. we're a team we really are yeah. Um, but but the missions work and everything that that we started really was because of her um, mm-hmm. she's kind of the one that's pushed me into that arena. And, you know, I thank her for it every day. But, yeah, her her perspective and her stories and her experiences and what she's done down there is like insane. It's it yeah. is a whole no, it's a whole nother podcast. I know um, what I'm going to do. We're going to we're going to get Matt and his wife. We're going to drag I'm going to drag him out to New Hampshire. Yeah. We're going to hang out with you guys. We're going to make coffee with C4 and we're going to interview Nikki. That's yeah. the plan. Yeah. I would yeah, love we, that. We, we can go up into the mountains or we can go out on the ocean. Like we can Hell do, yeah. We could do something crazy with that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Well, this has been the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. I'm going to go do push-ups and kiss my wife because I yeah. am inspired now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bryce, where can we find you? Where can we find you? Where can uh, so we find you? Yeah, super easy. I'm only on Instagram because it's, you know, the only thing that I know how to control. Um, I'm at Soapbox Snyder. It's all one word, S-O-A-P-B-O-X. Snyder is S-N-Y-D-E-R, just like the pretzels. Uh, hit me up on there. Like, follow. give me a follow if you want. If you have questions, if you want to know more, uh, DM me. I do respond to all of my messages. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, check out Lift That, guys, really. And you'll see, if you go to my podcast or my Instagram, you'll see him on there. Uh, yeah. Check him out. Awesome story. Super cool dude. Uh, do so if you if you support the military uh, or you know somebody that's in the military and you want to support them, that that's a great way to do that. So awesome. Well, thanks, man. Superman. Let's. Bryce, it was so nice it. to meet you. Yeah, man. Thanks so much. We really appreciate your time, and this was this was awesome. So yeah, it was. <laughs>